Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And, whoa, and off we go. Where did that come from? <laughs> oh, hey, hello, everybody. <clears throat> Just proves you should uh, <clears throat> talk, exercise your vocal cords before you start the show. Hey, 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 good to see you on a Tuesday. <laughs> November 14, it is the Bill Press Show, and here we are with you once again, the next couple of hours to uh, take a quick look at the news of the day, then bring in our guests and open up the phones to you or the email to you, so you can tell us what you think about uh, the news of the day. We're here in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, perched right on Capitol Hill in the heart of the Action Congress coming back to town today after uh, another weekend break uh, to face a big vote on tax cuts. Donald Trump coming home from his uh, marathon Asian tour uh, late this evening. He'll be arriving back at the White House and down on Alabama. Well, actually, she was in New York City, but a woman, young woman who lived in Alabama when she was a teenager, number five, saying she was assaulted by, this is a real case of sexual assault, by Republican senatorial candidate Roy Moore. All of that coming up. Join us, join us in the conversation by sending your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We want to hear from you. Wherever you are in this great land of ours, we're there with you with all the news of the day, which we will jump into in just a moment. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news, Bill. It is the holiday season. I know. They already have Christmas decorations up at Macy's. Yeah, it's up everywhere. I mean, everywhere you turn, it's already Christmas in your face. So let me ask you a question. There's a new poll conducted by Harris Poll on behalf of SunTrust Bank that asked Americans, would you skip giving gifts to your family and friends if everybody agreed to it? Would you just not give gifts altogether? Yeah. You would skip it. You're not Maybe alone. Maybe down to one or something, but... Mm, no, that's not the question. All right. Oh, yes. You would give up all gift yes. giving. Yes. yes You're answer. not alone. 70% of Americans would skip the tradition of giving gifts to their friends and family, again, if everybody agreed to it. You don't want to be the one person to not right, give right, gifts or right. the person to give a gift. But they say that the idea and the act of giving a gift 
is uh, a little outdated and so that they don't feel like they have to do, that they don't want to do. So, For example, we're going to go on a great trip at Christmas time this year. Okay. Right? Uh, we're going to the Galapagos Islands. Oh, okay? yeah, that's right. Do you think we're going to take five suitcases of, tri- <laughs> of, gifts. of Christmas <laughs> gifts? No. Hey, man, why not? So you can do it. <laughs> Uh, you got a new phone. You got a new iPhone. You yeah, got the eight, it. right? You didn't eight, get the no, X. eight plus. You didn't get the well. You didn't no, get the X. Is no, my point. No. Well, the the iPhone X or the iPhone ten, however you want to look at it, however you want to call it. I'm not sure what they're calling X. A ten. 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 They uh, is it the ten? Yeah. So what happened to the nine? I There's think no nine? they just skipped. They just over skipped it. over the nine. Anyway, the iphone ten. Uh, they, there's no button on it, right? So you don't have a button to unlock your face, phone. It, it face unlocks recognition. by face recognition. Well, there is a story in Wired Magazine. There is a group of hackers, and they say that they have figured out how to hack the iPhone 10 by using masks. Now, twins. Yeah, right. Well, so like Apple had said, this isn't going to be a problem. They, they, they invested in a lot of yeah. actual masks for their developers to try and see if it, if it worked. And they said that it didn't work. They couldn't hack it with masks. But there was a uh, Vietnamese security company called Bicav says that they have cracked the ID by using composite masks of 3D printed plastic, silicone, and makeup, and simple simple paper cutouts. And that alone was able to trick an iPhone X, iPhone 10, into opening. I'm not too worried about that. They'd have to get your phone. To, to, to use it, right? Yeah, sure. So do you think if I got uh, Newt Gingrich's phone that I could... <laughs> Just don't do it. Cops can use this against you. It's true. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. You knew it was going to happen, and now we have heard from her. Accuser number five. Uh, and again, Roy Moore says she, like the other four, is just a liar. What do you say, everybody? Great to see you. Hello, hello. On a Tuesday, November 14, it is the Bill Press Show. Great to have you with us today as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And our studio on Capitol Hill, uh, right down the street from the United States Capitol Building, where we keep our eye on what's going on there, what's going on at the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, down at the White House. Kind of quiet, but getting ready for the return of the big man tonight. Yeah, big man, indeed. Uh, Back from his uh, Asian trip. And we also are on top of what's happening all around the country, all around the world. We'll bring it all to you over the next couple of hours and want to hear from you what it all means to you, to your family, to your community, what you think about the latest, what's going on. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. And we're joining you, of course, on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you coast to coast on the great Free Speech TV and the, out in the Chicago area, hello, WCPT, wherever you are in the greater Chicago area, the progressive voice of Chicago and in Indianapolis on Indianapolis Talk, Indiana Talks. Great to have you with us today. Yes, indeed, the top stories that we are looking at. One more for Roy Moore, indeed. We heard from her yesterday, Beverly Young Nelson. Mitch McConnell saying he's tired of it. He doesn't want to hear any more from Roy Moore. He believes uh, the women 
Somehow, Mitch McConnell went down to Kentucky for the weekend and grew a pair. Donald Trump praising uh, the serial killer um, Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines and Donnie Jr. in hot water again. He just loves those Russians. He can't have enough of those Russians. And now it turns out he was playing cute-cute with WikiLeaks all during the campaign. Oh, man. So, Andrew, uh, uh, Jennifer Habercorn from Politico will be joining us, as well as Andrew Desiderio from the Daily Beast. Uh, and then a new first, the married couple uh, in studio with us, uh, Jennifer Bendry and her wife, Jennifer McPartland, uh, here joining us. That is, I think that is a first. I was trying to think if we've ever had a husband and, or a, no, a married I, couple I, in here. Well, I can't. I certainly can't remember yeah, no, I don't remember one. either man or man or woman and woman yeah, right. or man and woman. I can't, I can't think of one. No, yeah, right. So right. there you go. Breaking still new, some Bill Press history here. Breaking new ground and good. Yes, indeed. We knew that uh, the, the, there were only not not just four uh, teenagers uh, that Roy Moore uh, had sexual misbehavior with, if you will. Uh, we knew there would be more coming forward. And yesterday, escorted by a noted attorney, Gloria Allred, who specializes in these kind of cases, uh, stepped forward up in New York City at a packed news conference, Beverly Young Nelson. Uh, she was 16 at the time, she says, when she was a waitress. She, her shift ended. Roy Moore, the district attorney, was there and said, hey, baby, can I give you a ride home? Uh, Beverly Nelson Takes it up, picks it up from there when Roy, Nor Roy Moore suddenly pulls off the side of the road and begins, begins to assault her. I tried to open my car door to leave, but he reached over and he locked it so I could not get out. Yep. Uh, and then uh, he uh, told her uh, before she left. He said, you're just a child. And he said, I am the district attorney. I've had a walk county, and if you tell anyone about this, no one will ever believe you. That's that that the power to me play. that that to me was the line that that stuck out. That I think not every single woman has that exact story, but every single woman that I know in my life has a story of of either being sexually harassed or sexually assaulted, and you and it and it really does come down to power. Yeah, who you a lot of these believe. things come down to power. You're yeah. just a little girl, right. and I am the district attorney of the county. Right, and some of the other who's going to believe you? Some of the other women who came forward, certainly the first one, the 14 year old, uh, said that he had told her the same thing. Uh, Don't you talk about this? And if you do, nobody's going to believe you anyhow. Um, Beverly uh, Young Nelson describes uh, how he tried to force her into a sexual act in the, the car as she was trying to get out of the car. He began squeezing my neck, attempting to force my head onto his crotch. And all these... That's uh, sexual assault. That is sexual that assault. That is sexual oh, yeah. assault. No, no, we've crossed the line there for sure. Uh, and all these women saying, well... Um, I mean, um, the, the, uh, some of these defenders of Roy Moore are saying, well, you know, we need proof. We need proof. Where's the evidence? Uh, this isn't exactly evidence of what she testified to, but it does show uh, that there was a relationship between her and Roy Moore when she shows her high school yearbook. He wrote in my yearbook as follows. 
to a sweeter, more beautiful girl. I could not say Merry Christmas. Christmas 1977. Love, Roy Moore. Yeah. Oh, God, how love. icky, how creepy. Love. Yeah, love. From Roy a 32-year-old man to a 16-year-old girl. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was going to yeah. say, I don't know a lot of 32-year-old men who sign high school yearbooks. Uh, anyhow, right? Maybe to their granddaughter. Maybe. Not, well, it wouldn't be granddaughter at that age, but their niece. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, six, six, no, six. it's terrible. And this then, is horrible. And then, of course, there are a lot of people uh, who say right away, oh, God, these are just Democrats paid these women. These are just Democrats coming out to try to hurt Roy Moore. She puts that one to bed. My husband and I supported Donald Trump for president. This has nothing whatsoever to do with the Republicans or the Democrats. Meanwhile, uh, Roy Morris speaks, steps outside of his house last night to say, uh, afterwards, I should say, he stepped out of his house uh, to tell reporters. I can tell you without hesitation, this is absolutely false. I never did what she said I did. I don't even know the woman. I don't know anything about her. I don't even know where the restaurant is or was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, liar, liar, pants on fire. And Roy Moore's wife. By the two, by the way, the two of them. I got. I don't know how the hell I got on this email chain, but I'm kind of glad I is. I, I kind of glad I am rather because uh, yeah. I see what their line is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're out there raising money. Three times yesterday, I got an email from Roy Moore and Kayla Moore, his wife, asking for money. They want fifty bucks minimum, fifty bucks to defend themselves against these scurrilous charges from the forces of evil. Uh, in fact, here's, here's one line. He said, I believe you and I have a duty as God-fearing Americans to stand up and fight back against the forces of evil waging an all-out war on our conservative values. I mean, to me, that is a new low in American politics, uh, my friends. This is a sexual pervert who is calling himself God-fearing and calling those of us who believe you should not have sex with children as forces of evil. Yeah, how low can you get in American politics? Uh, But uh, anyhow, Roy Moore's wife, she's defending him to the end, comparing him to Jesus. He's godly. He's loving, and everybody in this community knows it. Mm -hmm. He's godly. He's godly. Right. And in fact, this is, I, I find this so disgusting. There was a letter put out yesterday signed by 50 pastors in Alabama defending Roy Moore, saying he is one of us. He's a God fearing Christian. And this is just political madness to try to discuss, to, 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 to suggest that he is anything other. Uh, but, you know. These pastors are putting politics way ahead of their own religion, way ahead of what they you claim what? to believe they're in. They're phony Christians. No, they, they, they are. They are faux Christians. I mean, if there's anything, anything that is more unchristian than what we just heard from Beverly Young Nelson, you tell me. And yet these people are defending him. Shame on them. They all. I hope they all, I, they will all burn in hell for that. And they ought, to, they ought to lose their flock and lose their churches, lose their pastorships. Uh, but, you know, 
uh, patience is running out and faith in Roy Moore or belief in Roy Moore is running out, uh, even among his f- Republicans. Some of those um, CS weak need Republicans like Mitch McConnell, uh, for the last five days, John, uh, for five days, John McCain was the only one, give him credit again, of coming forward and saying, no, Roy Moore ought to step aside right now, right now. Everybody else, like Mitch McConnell, was hiding behind this. If these charges are proven true, then he should step aside, as if they were waiting for the videotape, uh, you know, from when Roy Moore picked up that 14-year-old girl around the corner uh, from his house and took his clothes off and forced her to touch him through his underpants. Uh, Yeah, all of that, right. We went the evidence. They said the evidence. Well, finally, finally. Mitch McConnell grew a pair, and yesterday he told reporters, uh, if it's Roy Moore versus the women, Mitch McConnell says curtly. I believe the women, yes. Yeah, I believe the women. What should Roy Moore do, Mitch? I think he should step aside. And what are you going to do about it, Mitch? We're looking at uh, whether or not there is someone who can mount a write-in campaign successfully. They're looking at that, the right possible write-in campaign on the part of Luther Strange, or as I keep suggesting, Jeff Sessions, get him the hell out of the attorney general's office, get him down there. He could win a write-in campaign. Or uh, the other option, Cory Gardner, who's the head of the Republican uh, Senate campaign committee, said uh, he's come up with another plan, which is elect and reject in other words, let the election go forward, and if he is elected senator from Alabama, which, by the way, is looking more and more unlikely, because Doug Jones, the Democrat down there, is a damn good candidate, highly respected, you know, not a crazy, crazy, wacko Democrat. I mean, he's a very solid, I'd have to use the word, establishment, middle-of-the-road Democrat with a lot of credibility. And he's looking better and better in the polls. We showed you some of the polls uh, yesterday, which show them either tied or with Doug Jones now with a slight lead uh, over Roy Moore. So Cory Gardner, uh, his his strategy and other Republicans have signed on to this is let it go. Let's see what happens. But if he is elected, then would we, we would reject him. The talk about not seating him, did a little more research on this. You can't do that. He has to take his seat. But then you can throw him out. And Roy Moore would not be the first one. It takes two-thirds of a vote. So you got 67 senators. Uh, you start off with 48 Democrats, right, yeah. plus two independents. You start off with 50. So, no, I'm sorry, it's 48. Yeah, 48, including the two independents. But at any rate, 67 is what you need. So they need 19 Republicans, which I think they could get. And if they were to reject him... Roy Moore would be number 16 to be in the history of the Senate, number wow. 16. Uh, 14 of them were expelled from the Senate because they were sympathizers of the Confederate side Holy during cow. the Civil War. Wow. Including the last one, the last one ejected, rejected by the Senate or ejected out of the Senate. There's a guy I never heard of called Jesse Bright. He was a Democrat from Indiana and back in 1862. Oh, my God. So it was 155 years ago. The last senator was rejected, ejected from the Senate. Jesse Bright, 
and he was ejected in 1862, 155 years ago, because he was a northerner who sympathized with the Confederate cause. To be fair, Roy Moore also sympathizes with the Confederate uh, cause. Yes. So, so while would, that's not why he would be ejected, it <laughs> he is... He would be number 15. Be <laughs> wow. wow. Isn't that that's crazy? amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you think they'll do it? Do you think they actually would go through and do it? I mean, yes. it, what's what's yes. I, yes. I, normally I would yeah. say no. Normally I would say no. Yeah, right. But I but I think that every single one of these senators that are running for re-election next year, they're going to have to face this down. Bingo. And, and that's what it comes. That's down why to. they will do it. They will do it because otherwise they will have to go before voters in twenty twenty. Yeah, and defend having this pervert member of their party in the United States Senate. Like every Republican candidate across the land, particularly those for Congress or the Senate, will be asked that question. Where do you stand on Roy Moore? Why haven't you thrown him out? Like I think Roy Moore still could possibly get elected in Alabama. I still do believe that. But I don't know of many other places that that this would fly. No, no, no. And it shouldn't fly in Alabama, of course. No, of course and it again, again, shame on these pastors for jumping on board this. I mean, you're right. They're, they're, that's, that's why we have separation of church and state. He's they're, godly. Yeah, they're trampling all over. Uh, Politico is out this morning. Our good friend Steve Shepard from Politico. The Politico has conducted the first national poll uh, on this issue, and 60% of Americans say Roy Moore should get out of the race. That's another thing. This is not a just an Alabama issue. Not that it was in the beginning. Not with Roy Moore, it's always been a national yeah. issue. The spotlight's been on there. But 60% of people all across the country say Roy Moore should get out of there. Uh, so uh, that's the latest. We'll see what happens today. Stay tuned. Your comments about Roy Moore on Twitter, at uh, BP Show. Meanwhile, with Donald Trump flying home today, he he's... Uh, uh, announced ahead of time that he's going to have a great big announcement from the White House tomorrow on trade. God knows what that is. Uh, he has been asking, uh, reportedly asking re- uh, networks for a primetime spot this evening to address the nation. Give me a break. Um, and while th- the other thing that he's going to have on his mind while he is flying back is Donnie Jr. is once again in hot water, the dumbest member of the entire Trump clan, no doubt about it. He can't help him. This is a guy in the campaign, in the middle of the campaign, in July 2016, right, who holds a meeting at Trump Tower to which he brings in um, Michael Flynn and Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort to hear from an attorney, a woman, uh, from a Russian attorney, with ties to the Kremlin, we've been over this so many times, who said she wanted to meet with him because she's got dirt on Hillary Clinton. And, of course, Donald Trump, rather than calling the FBI, doing what he should have done, convenes a meeting to hear the dirt on Clinton. Dummy, dummy, dummy. Now it turns out that all during the 2016 campaign as well, he was communicating with WikiLeaks. Yes, during the campaign. While Russia was hacking into the DNC uh, emails, right, while Putin, Putin directed and blessed operations were trying to influence the election and running ads on Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, across the board 
to try to tilt the election to Donald Trump. All during that time, Donald Trump Jr. was communicating with WikiLeaks. And you tell me there's no collusion. Adam Schiff, ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee last night, saying, um, boy, uh, just look at this. This is what this means. Here you have him in communication privately, secretly uh, with WikiLeaks that's publishing these stolen documents, uh, asking for information about upcoming releases of documents. Yes. So uh, was it collusion, however? Adam Schiff says we can't go quite that far yet, but... Having his father tweet things that WikiLeaks wanted to put out there. Uh, So you see a very uh, great willingness on the campaign to accept foreign help, uh, and you see them acting on this. Yeah, accepting foreign help and acting on it. And also at this time, remember, during the campaign, Donald Trump himself was praising WikiLeaks. I saw a clip last night on CBS where he was saying, I love WikiLeaks, I love WikiLeaks. You know why? Because that's when they were releasing the DNC emails hacked by the Russians, given to WikiLeaks, and then praised by Donald Trump. And in the meantime, Donald Trump Jr. is emailing back and forth with the people at WikiLeaks. Again, not collusion yet. Or is it? That's up to Robert Mueller to decide. But when you add to that the meeting that he had at Trump Tower, you know, I mean, you you just got to believe that Robert Mueller's spotlight, if it's not already on Donnie Jr., is going to be on Donnie Jr. So this is is some interesting stuff because Donald Jr., who might be the dumbest Trump son? I mean, uh, I know that. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I Eric Trump so. is is not exactly. You know what? A, because at least Eric keeps his mouth shut. Eric keeps his mouth shut. Donald Jr. Yesterday, you ever uh, seen Eric Trump open his mouth? There's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> he he went on Twitter and released uh, screenshots of the direct messages that he had with WikiLeaks, and it shows that there was correspondence between September of 2016 and July of this year. Mm-hmm. And while it doesn't show a lot from Donald Jr., he had like three responses, and none of them were all that incriminating. And sometimes frankly. he didn't respond. Even, sometimes so. he didn't respond. But WikiLeaks was asking Donald Jr. to have Donald Trump share their files, like their opposition research, what they had on Hillary Clinton, so that they could right. put it out. They were asking him to supply his tax returns to WikiLeaks and also advised him to challenge the results of the yes. election yes. if he lost. Yes. Which, yeah. if you look at the timestamp, happened before we even got into this whole thing with, with Trump. Because remember, that was the thing during the election. Yeah, before we even right. had the right. election. He said it was right because he, he thought he was going to lose. And, and he that. wasn't going to necessarily right. give up the election. Wasn't going to accept the and results. And accept the results. So that seed was sort of planted by, by WikiLeaks. By WikiLeaks, right. Which is stunning. Totally. The fact that they're, with all this communication going forth, going, uh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, and remember who WikiLeaks is. WikiLeaks is Julian Assange. Assange who can't even leave, is it the Ecuadorian embassy? He's in the Ecuadorian embassy. Ecuadorian yeah. embassy in London, right? I mean, because of sexual uh, assault, assault charges, yeah. not not sexual assault charges against him uh, in Sweden, I believe, at any rate. They uh, want to release more tapes. Yeah. 
saying inappropriate things. We'll continue to talk about Bill and Hillary Clinton doing inappropriate things. Yeah, there, we go. there he is, Donald Trump, right. Uh, and so just a couple of other items in the news before we uh, say hello to Jennifer Habercorn, Habercorn yep. from Politico. Uh, the trial of Robert Menendez may be over today. Uh, the senator from New Jersey accused of accepting bribes uh, from this doctor friend of his. Uh, the jury told the judge yesterday the trial's been going on for a long time. Uh, the jury told the judge yesterday they cannot come to an agreement on any one of the charges against him. Uh, and the judge said, all right, take the rest of the day off, come back again tomorrow and try. Uh, it lo- looks like it's going to be, it doesn't look like they're going to succeed. Uh, the one juror, who person who was on the jury, I can't believe this happened, and the judge and the defense, I think all the attorneys agreed from the beginning that when she was picked, she had a long planned vacation and they said, well, we're not going to go that long, but if we do, we'll let you out and you can go on your vacation. Uh, that was day before yesterday. And guess what? They were still there. So she said, I'm going on my vacation. Like you promised, they had to let her go. And so after all of that deliberation and all of that trial, they put one of the alternates in the jury, which basically means they were starting from scratch. And that juror, when she left, said uh, she was ready to vote not guilty on all charges, and she was pretty sure there would be a hung jury. So uh, whatever you think of what uh, Senator Menendez did, um, he, he, may, he may walk. Uh, we'll find out maybe as early as today. And if you like the work that Robert Mueller is doing, then uh, you will be happy or unhappy to hear that we may have another special counsel yet. Uh, Jeff Sessions saying yesterday, which is pure politics, that he may appoint another special counsel to look into the email Hillary Clinton emails, the FBI investigation of Hillary Clinton emails, and the uranium deal, three things that Donald Trump has been saying nonstop we should be investigating instead of investigating his ties with Russia. And this so is instead of firing Robert Mueller, they may come up and appoint another special prosecutor. Again, why? To try to take the spotlight and the attention away from Robert Mueller and underline everything he's doing. Totally, totally insane. Jeff Sessions, you know what? I really don't think even the Republicans in Congress want to see this because this is purely partisan. This violates everything the Department of Justice stands for. He is, it, Donald Trump is systematically destroying any credibility that the Department of Justice had, which has always run under every president, Republican and Democrat, run as basically a totally independent agency. Not since Richard Nixon have we seen any president try to tell the attorney general this is what you have to. These are. This is the case you have to take. This is the case you don't take. This is what you do investigate. This is what you don't investigate. Remember, the charges against Robert Menendez, Democrat from New Jersey, were filed under President Barack Obama, Democratic president. Donald Trump would never let that happen. It's a, never. It's a great way to uh, change the story. It's a great yeah. way to change the narrative. Right. You've got all this bad news swirling around Donald Trump, and he knows he has one villain that he can bring up any time that he gets in trouble, and it's Hillary Clinton. Yes, and you know what? Jeff Sessions will do it because yeah. Jeff Sessions otherwise is afraid that Donnie will take his job away from him. Good boy, Jeff.
Yeah, good boy, Jeff. God, that was disgusting. All right. Let's take a quick break. What is the latest on uh, Obamacare signups? They're underway right now. Uh, and efforts to repeal uh, the uh, um, the part of uh, repeal Obamacare again. Donald Trump wants it part of the tax cut plan. Uh, Jennifer Habercorn from uh, Politico joins us next. Final question about WikiLeaks, and that is, some have suggested on the left that it, all this bad stuff about Hillary, nothing bad about Trump, uh, that your campaign is in cahoots with WikiLeaks. Nothing could be further from the truth. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And on this Tuesday, Tuesday, November 14, uh, welcome back, everybody. It is the uh, Bill Press Show. We're booming out to you live coast to coast from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Great to have you with us today. And uh, we are going to roll through the rest of the news of the day. Joining us here uh, in studio, Jennifer Habercorn, who's the senior Healthcare reporter for Politico. Jennifer, it's nice to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Um, before we get into um, uh, the rest of the news here, particularly on the healthcare front uh, with Jennifer, uh, a couple of quick items. Number one, those of you who may be watching on YouTube or on Free Speech TV, uh, you want to know why I look so good today. It's a scarf that I'm wearing, <laughs> uh, which is it's scarf season in Washington, D.C., finally. And probably um, over the, for many of you over the rest of the country, this happens to be a hand-woven rayon chenille scarf, beautiful piece of work by my wife, Carol. Uh, you may remember this is the time of the year. Uh, cold like this, I always tell you about Carol's hand-woven scarves and suggest that you want to get one for yourself um, for or for someone you love. And the way to do so, uh, easiest way is just go to our uh, website, billpressshow.com, and click on the link to Carol Press Scarves, or you can go right to her website, carolpressscarves.com. Um, many, many different uh, patterns and colors to choose from, uh, either like this, rayon chenille, or bamboo scarves, actually, which are tremendous. So check it out, check it out. With the holidays coming up, wanted to give you that opportunity. And also, you have taken the opportunity, many of you, to uh, re- respond to us of some of the topics we've been talking about this morning so far. Uh, Jamie, people sounding back. Yes, sir. A lot of folks talking about Roy Moore giving another accuser coming forward yesterday on YouTube in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. Our friend Susan says they hide behind their so-called faith. Meanwhile, they display the worst kind of behavior. It's all about uh, their power over others. Of course, talking about Republicans and those that abuse power when it comes to situations like those Roy Moore was in on Twitter at BP Show. Some of you weighing in. Yeah, deep- it's, go ahead. it's bad enough for for Hollywood producers or, or or you know insurance company CEOs or whatever to to, to do this kind of behavior uh, or politicians. But when you combine the politician with the with the preaching, with the Christian, mm-hmm. when they throw the religion in there, and the pastors get behind them, that's what's particularly disgusting to me about this. 
they those pastors would probably write a letter condemning and should Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, Mark Halperin, any of the other people who've been named, right? Maybe not Roger Ailes. Mm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not Bill O'Reilly. I take that back. But certainly some of the other. But but then they come out to defend Roy Moore. Right. On Twitter, D. Ray Luther reacting to Cory Gardner's idea of having Roy Moore be expelled if he is elected. D. Ray Luther says, sure, if the Senate refused to sit and elected Moore, just opens the door to get Jeff Sessions back in that seat <laughs> and out of the attorney general position. Just what 45 wants. One more quick comment from our buddy Romaine on Twitter. Uh, as a 43-year-old, I haven't signed a yearbook in like 25 years. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Not even signed my teenage, yeah. teenage nie- niece's yearbooks. Hashtag to catch a predator. Thank you, Romaine, for weighing <laughs> yeah, right. in. Keep those comments coming in, by the way, on Twitter at BP Show, YouTube, YouTube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. Um, the, uh, by the way, on the signing of the yearbook, uh, the... Uh, What's the New York Times here on the front page? They just say they do say that they checked the writing. It does appear to be his handwriting. <laughs> they can, yeah, I they mean, can look, find out for sure whether it's his handwriting, right? Like, look, right. look, I mean, th- this is a pretty damning piece of evidence. I think that maybe we shouldn't look at it that way because we've got witnesses yeah. and stories and women who have come forward, and I think that should be enough in a case like this. Yeah. But also. I mean, he's a 30, 31, 32 year old guy signing kids' yearbooks. That's a bad sign. Love. Yeah, that's really weird. Breitbart's going to send down their forensic experts. Yeah, right. (laughs) Really get to the bottom of this. Right. right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the New York Times says, the writing mirrored other examples of Mr. Moore's signature. Uh, If you were in a courtroom, I mean, there there are ways of identifying handwriting and proving it, right? Okay. Well, so much for that. Jennifer, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. How so, are you? Um, first of all, we have a news on the healthcare front yesterday uh, that um, we have a new HHS secretary mm-hmm. who is? Alex Azar. He is a former uh, HHS employee from the Bush era, um, but also the president of Eli Lilly, a big drug maker, which um, obviously has raised a lot of eyebrows. You know, Democrats are skeptical that he's going to be able to oversee the drug industry that he once uh, was a major player in. Um, and I think that's going to be a big talking point going forward, you know, when we get to a confirmation battle. Um, I don't expect any Democrat to support uh, a Trump nominee to run the Affordable Care Act, but I think this will give them something to talk about. You know, it was interesting because Trump, when he was first elected, talked about going after the drug makers. And that struck me as interesting because there's a lot of bipartisan interest in trying to drive down drug prices. He, yeah. This could have been kind of a olive leaf to Democrats, but obviously they decided not to pursue that, at least so far. And now that we have this major you know, drug industry player running HHS or potentially running HHS, I think that's going to renew some of the the talk about drug prices, whether they're too high, um, while, of course, keeping the focus on the debate over Obamacare, too. Uh, there is a local angle, by the way, uh, Alex mm-hmm. Azar from Salisbury, Maryland. Oh, okay. Right over on the eastern shore. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, I have my, my cousin still lives in Salisbury, knew him and, at the golf course. Oh, nice. When he was a kid, and his father was a member of the golf course. Um, and maybe he still is. I don't know. Um, but isn't this a pattern for um, for Donald Trump? I mean, he appoints as to as Secretary of Education a woman who's been uh, spent her whole career undermining public schools, Betsy DeVos. 
He appoints to EPA, a guy who's sued EPA 15 times and wants to shut down the agency. So here you have for HHS, somebody from the pharmaceutical industry who certainly uh, fought HHS probably his entire career over such things as drug pricing and um, ability to raise premiums and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, you've certainly been on the other side of government regulators. Yeah, this is definitely the the debate that's going to play out in a confirmation battle. And it was interesting, the Wall Street Journal um, put out an editorial this morning saying, you know, um, heaven forbid he have experience in the industry that he's going to oversee. So that's going to be the Republican response. Um, But yes, this is definitely a pattern. You know, this is this is someone who, um, you know, probably didn't like any government. I, I shouldn't say didn't like any government oversight, but fought government oversight when he was on the other side of the table. And now he's going to be at the negotiating table representing the government. Um, one of the big issues in in drug pricing is, um, you know, should the government be able to negotiate drug prices? Um, and uh, I I can imagine that he would not be, you know, his his old hat would not really want the government to be able to do that. That's still one of the issues I cannot, I can never, under for the life of me, understand why this is a partisan issue. That the that our government, which is the largest purchaser through Medicare and Medicaid of prescription drugs, period. Thank you, Sean Spicer. Period, um, would not be allowed to negotiate. Why every, why anybody could oppose the federal government being able to negotiate. But cheaper drug prices for Americans, right? Instead, the the big pharma has always opposed that successfully, mm-hmm. right? And they it have, just makes so much sense. They really have a, a, a chokehold on the United States Senate. Um, I mean, there are some lawmakers who will not vote against pharma. Um, be, they're very powerful. And they have, you know, senators on both sides of the aisle that they have um, – uh, I don't want to say control over, but they have a lot of sway with. And, you know, we see um, votes come up like being able to uh, import drugs from Canada, yeah, which has a lot right. of populist appeal. And um, that even can't get through. Even on these votes, you know, every once in a while they have Voterama, these votes that don't matter, but they're very symbolic. And um, they can't even get through in those situations. What is the argument against being able to negotiate a better you, you know, Again, the kind of prediction here is every single every single person alive almost wants a deal, right? And if they right. go to a bakery, right, if I'm buying a dozen donuts or two dozen, I should I should get a break, right, because I'm buying so many donuts. Yeah. Uh, you, you're out for a car. What do you do? You look for the best deal you can, you know? Uh, and um, I'm, I'm a family member. Don't I get a break here or something like that? I mean, what's the argument against our getting a break the United States government, American taxpayers from the pharmaceutical companies. There's a lot of philosophical opposition to the idea of anything that looks like price controls. And um, obviously the government is a huge player. You know, they're the Walmart of uh, of, of a buyer. Right. So, you know, what they <laughs> say could go. And, and that sounds like price controls to some people. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, drug but- makers say that, you know, if, if 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 they're not bringing in money, they can't make new drugs. You know, it is very expensive to bring drugs to market. There's an argument to be made that, um, you know, if, if, if you do restrict their income coming in, that they're not going to be able to make the new life-saving drugs that we all want, you know, things like Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's, yeah, but that is belied when you look at the profits that they're making mm-hmm. and the money their shareholders are getting. Yeah, right? oh, absolutely. I mean, no one's, um, no one's yeah. getting their violin out for the drug maker's profits. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Azar likely to be confirmed? I would think yes. Um, I mean, at this point, um, Republicans have the votes in the Senate. Exactly, and I don't see, I don't, I don't see any opposition so far. Nothing has come out, at least yet, that would be a deal breaker. I think. Right. Uh, the Senate is also dealing with uh, tax cuts, mm-hmm. and while he's flying home from Asia today, the president I saw this morning on my phone uh, is tweeting about um, Republicans are going to do the right thing. They're going to pass this uh, tax cut bill, the biggest tax cut bill in the history of the universe. Uh, and while they're at it, they should add, why not repeal the individual mandate from Obamacare as well? Trump himself, just like a dog with a bone, won't give up on this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, is he getting any response from the Hill? Yeah, there are a lot of Republican senators and uh, members of the House who are really interested in this idea. Enough? They, that's the question. Is it enough? I, I would guess right now there's 48 Republican senators who like this idea. 40. 48. Whoa, um, that's and, pretty close. Close. But but I mean really? that's uh, but if you write down Obamacare repeal on a sheet of paper, you know it, it gets 46, 47 votes okay. in the Senate. So the real issue is does it have 50? Um, and and that's what we don't know right now. Um, Republicans feel like this is a down payment on their promise to repeal Obamacare. And Which it they gives, tried three times and failed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, failed spectacularly, and their <laughs> voters know that. Um, and it also raises $338 billion, which they could use in, in tax reform. Um, so there's two arguments for it. The, the keys right now are, you know, does it have the support of John McCain, Lisa Murkowski, uh, two of the senators who voted against Obamacare repeal over the summer and would be pivotal to this. And that's what we don't know right now. And I think it you know, wasn't in any of the bills that they've introduced so far, but it's definitely on the table. And it's you know obviously something I'm watching very closely, um, but we don't know yet how it's going to play out. Is it in the House bill? No. Okay. And it's not in the Senate bill yet, right? right? It would be added. I mean, I've seen some senators say this would queer the deal. I mean that they think they can cobble together enough votes to get a Republican tax cut bill to the president. But if they add this, all bets are off. Would you agree? I mean, well, this, I mean this is a wild card. You'd have to ask, like, John McCain, you know, uh, does he want tax reform? Um, he clearly didn't want to repeal Obamacare. Would this? Would he view this as synonymous with the repealing Obamacare? And then he might vote no. Um, or does he like the rest of tax reform enough to, to swallow uh, repealing the individual mandate? This is... This would have the effect of killing, of repealing Obamacare, wouldn't it, even though it's just this one provision? You know, if you had asked me two or three years ago, I would have said yes. Um, But the individual mandate is pretty weak. Um, And the Obama administration was not enforcing it with a whole lot of vigor. Um, It was very easy to get an exemption. You could just say, like, oh, I tried and I wasn't able to sign up. I wasn't able to get my insurance. And then you would get a, a hardship exemption and you wouldn't be fined by the mandate. And in, insurers have figured that out, and they've kind of priced that in. Um, it's it's only six hundred ninety five dollars, or um, a percentage of your income. It's not really the. I, I don't understand that six ninety five. Um, yeah, the mandate is a six hundred ninety five fee, or it is um, I think two percent of your income. Oh, okay. Whatever's higher. Um, so it's not really the bludgeon that, um, you know. Democrats in 2010 thought it was going to be. That would be the fine you would pay if you had not signed up. Exactly. And in most cases, insurance is more expensive than that. So it's it's not quite as powerful as as it probably should be. And economists say that if you really want a, a powerful mandate, it needs to be more expensive than the insurance plan or at least comparable. 
So I don't know if, if the mandate were to go, I don't know that it would be the death of Obamacare that we thought back when the Supreme Court was considering this. Remember in 2012, this mm-hmm. was the linchpin. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it would give insurers an opportunity to leave the market. If insurers are on the fence, and a lot of them are right now because the market isn't great, this would give them one more reason to leave. Right. So we are in the middle now of this um, shortened sign-up period mm-hmm. for the Affordable Care Act. Started first of November. That's right. Through December, December 15. Yeah. Why are they keeping it such a deep, dark secret? <laughs> I mean, you know, I remember the first time around. It was yeah, so it was everything. every day. I was at the White House briefings. Then uh, every day, every day they would report on mm-hmm. how many people had signed up today and how many people were expected to finally sign up. There has not been a peep about this anywhere. That's right. And, you know, the Trump administration says that this is a failing law. They don't feel like they need to advertise it. They argue that the marketing doesn't work and that, um, you know, that's not why people signed up in the past. But you kind of don't know about it, you know. Um, right. You're not going to sign up. But interestingly, you know, there's been a lot of earned media stories on the lack of advertising yeah. and, you know, the fact that yeah. people are signing up despite that. Yeah, so they're almost getting right. more attention because they're trying to hide it. You know, back in 2013, remember the website crashed? Oh, Tons yeah, of people signed up because yeah. it was on the front page every day that yeah. this option was out there. So you can almost argue that the, the, the bad news stories are getting some attention. And... Um, they have released some enrollment numbers, and in the first couple of days, it was very strong. There was very strong interest um, in signing up. It was uh, almost surpassing last year's levels, so that might be a good sign for supporters of the ACA. That would be that would be the ultimate uh, response to Donald Trump. It if really would. People, <laughs> if more people sign up than uh, than before, it would also maybe prove his argument that we're wasting our money doing marketing because we don't need it. Right, right. But um, are they? <laughs> so um, who is signing up? Is it? Does everybody who has who's already in under the Affordable Care have to sign up again? Yes. Yeah. You do have to sign up again. And it's a good idea to look at your options and Every see what year? changed. Yeah. You will get auto re, uh, auto re-enrolled, um, but most likely your plans have changed. So if you are on a plan right now, you probably want to go and not just count on that auto renewal. You want to see what your options are because chances are... The, the same policy might not be there or the prices may have changed. Also this year, um, interestingly, because Donald Trump pulled these cost-sharing payments, if you remember, this was about $10 billion that he pulled from the markets, insurers have totally messed with their pricing structure this year in order to respond to that. Um, so, so the plans that were supposedly the best quality, those prices have come down. But the, the amount of your subsidy, if you get some of these premium subsidies, it went up tremendously this year because insurers were trying to make up for losing losing one bucket, so they raised the other bucket. And um, so I would definitely suggest to anyone that they look at their options. So people who have health insurance have to renew uh, or re-up, um, as you say, hopefully not before checking out what the other options are. Uh, people who are not yet in, this is their opportunity to get in. Mm-hmm. Can you sign up at any other time of the year? I mean, if you want to buy in health, I mean, life insurance, for example, or property insurance, you, you can walk into an insurance company any time of the year. Can you do so with health care? 
Um, only under the under AC- the Affordable Care under Act. Under the ACA, you can only do so if you have some life changing event. If you lose your job and you lose your employer sponsored insurance, or you get married, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and they did that because they want to uh, eliminate the chance of adverse selection. That if you break your leg, you go to sign up for an insurance policy. So that's why they have this enrollment period, and um, that's when the arguments for shrinking it. So that um, there were actually some. Uh, healthcare folks who were saying that they saw when there was a six-month enrollment period that people would sign up in October, get their new new replacement surgery, and then stop paying their policy in January. So it is a, it is an actual problem um, that you have to have some kind of shrunken enrollment period. Right. So it uh, expires December 15. Um, is it correct for uh, Donald Trump to say that Obamacare is in a death spiral? Not yet. There's a technical definition of a, t- a death spiral. They're doing their best, <laughs> aren't they, to make it a death spiral, but they haven't succeeded yet is what you're saying. Right. And, you know, one of the things you hear Republicans say a lot is that Obamacare is going to collapse under its own weight. Yeah. And that doesn't really happen. The linchpin for Obamacare is whether insurers are willing to sell insurance policies. And if insurers are willing to sell, even if it's a monopoly, then you have an Obamacare market. That insurer is there. They're willing to sell. The issue is if insurers leave the market, and then you really don't have, you know, your the promise of pre-existing conditions. But we doesn't hear matter. that though. We hear that all the time. That oh, I don't know, pick a state, Kansas. There's only one insurance company left, mm-hmm. you know, selling in Kansas or something. So yeah. are insurance companies staying in or getting out? Um, so every county in the country has an Obamacare offering this year. There was concern earlier. Every county in the country. Yes, okay. everywhere you live, there is at least one insurer. And there was concern earlier this year there were pockets of the country where there was no one and they were able to get folks in. Uh So as of right now, there's at least one option. That might be a monopoly, so the the prices might be really jacked up, but there is an offering there. And, you know, I think we'll see a death spiral if and when there's no insurers offering anything or if the um, offerings are just so crazy expensive that it essentially doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So when Donald Trump comes out and says Obamacare is dead – that's not entirely true. Yeah, not okay. at all. Not right. at all. <laughs> I mean, if anything, the 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 prices will go up, so the subsidies that the federal government is paying out mm. will go up as well. So if anything, this is just going to cost the government more and more over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you have written, or at least Politico has written, uh, back to our new the new guy coming in. He, of course, replaces uh, Tom Price. Mm-hmm who was sort of forced out over his use of private aircraft, that 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 whole Tom Price scandal is not necessarily behind us yet, right? Continues to embroil the agency. That's right. My colleagues, so? Dan Diamond, Rashna Pradhan, um, just followed up on this story yesterday. Um, and what they found, you know, HHS is still investigating this. The inspector general is looking into, you know, how these uh, he's flights gone, were approved. But they're approved. still investigating... Well, someone misdeeds, someone had to approve the flights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he took a lot of flights. Um, so, you know, what the approval process was for that, there, that's still an open question. Um, also, you know, HHS had, and and I I had heard this even before Price left that there were kind of Tom Price people, um, Sima Verma people, the CMS administrator. People were kind of there were different camps of you know whether you were uh, came in with Pence. Um, Trump, and there's different factions over there. And, you know, there's always some 
uh, hostility at HHS between the political appointees and the career appointees. You know, right now the career appointees had eight years of President Obama who was trying to expand access and the Trump administration, which obviously has a different political goal. So there's always some kind of hostility at that agency. I would think just like EPA, you know, when there's a Republican administration. So there's there's still a lot of that over there. Also, they've been kind of leaderless for a while now. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that, that can be great mm-hmm. for morale just in any kind of company or agency. So, you know, whether Azar is going to be able to come in and kind of unify folks, um, very much an open question. Also, you know, if Obamacare repeal really comes back with vigor on Capitol Hill, that kind of stopped a lot of HHS's actions. They were waiting to see if repeal was going to happen. Right. Um, so uh, Price left a mess in his wake, I guess, is really what it amounts to. And some other people may get caught up in that as well. Mm-hmm. Because just to say, some people had to approve it. Maybe some other people were using um, charter aircraft uh, as, as well. Uh, Jennifer, thanks for bringing us up to date. And remember, folks, now's the time to re-up with Obamacare if you haven't already done so. Take a quick break. Andrew DeZidario from Daily Beast joining us. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yep, off and running here on The Bill Press Show this Tuesday, November 14. Uh, what do you say, folks? Great to have you with us. On a very busy news day uh, with Donald Trump uh, making his way home, uh, stopping again at uh, Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii, uh, refueling, I guess, and uh, then heading off arriving back at the White House uh, late this evening. Uh, We knew it was going to happen, and it has. Uh, Another woman has stepped forward in Arkansas. This is uh, number five, uh, saying that uh, this is actually a case of sexual assault. Uh, Her story against uh, Roy Moore when she was uh, 16. Roy Moore, of course, denies it, but... Mitch McConnell said, finally, uh, he's had enough listening to the phony denials uh, and the uh, powerful stories from these women. Uh, He, Mitch McConnell, says he believes the women out, not Roy Moore, and wants Roy Moore out of the race. Roy Moore's response is, no, I should not be the one to step aside. It should be Mitch McConnell (laughs) that steps aside. Andrew DeSiderio has been down in Alabama. He's all over, all over the story for the Daily Beast here with us this hour. Hello, Andrew. Hey, good to see you. Yes, good to see you, too. Uh, and then we've got Donald Trump Jr., uh, it turns out, has been in communica- was in communication all during the campaign with WikiLeaks talking about those um, hacked emails from the DNC. But of course, of course, no, there was no collusion between the Trump campaign and anybody having anything to do with Russia. We'll see what Robert Mueller says about that. We'll see what Andrew DeSiderio's got to say about the news of the day and Roy Moore. But 
first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. I'm fascinated by this story because Bill Gates announced that he is going to be investing with his Gates Investment Company. His company says they will be investing $80 million in a high-tech planned development city outside of Phoenix, Arizona. They're saying that it's going to be a community designed around high-speed networks, autonomous vehicles, high-speed digital networks, data centers, new manufacturing technologies, and autonomous logistics hubs. That's how they describe it. This is like he's going to build a whole new city. It's a city of the future. He's brought up all this land. (laughs) Yeah. They say that that the city is about the size of Tempe, Arizona. And Arizona has been uh, receptive to a lot of new technologies like the self-driving vehicles and things like that. So that sort of made sense for why they, they put it in Arizona. But they're saying, like, we can be living smarter through technology. And he's going to try and prove it with this city, which, again, $80 million. He's I, I, I don't have to why you have to build a new city to do that. Well, it's a whole, it's infrastructure. you got to build a whole new infrastructure for a whole city. I mean, everything's going to be done differently. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I still think you could retrofit, if you will, existing. Well, I urban think that's areas. kind of what they're doing. I think they're taking a city that exists. I, mean, I don't think so. Belmont. They bought up. Yeah, they bought up. What I read, they bought up all this land, like bare land, flat land, undeveloped land. They're going to build from scratch. Hey, man, remember what was that city in Florida? There was a movie about what the, you know, where that, the sort of make believe. Magical, not not Disney World. Yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds like you're getting uh, <laughs> I know, Disney World like, territory. Oh damn! Two years. Is ago. it Celebration, Florida? Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. know. See, I know about Celebration, right. Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, that was sort of envisioned for like a different way that people lived and things like that. But this is going to be just yeah. like everything is going to mm-hmm. be All completely right. different. Hey, happy! You didn't know today was a holiday. Today is National Run for Office Day. It's a holiday, according to their website, that celebrates the fact that anyone and everyone should consider running for office, especially local office. It's a holiday that happens the second Tuesday after the second Monday in November. So that means today. So it's saying anybody who wants to run for office, remember, you could go run for office. Is this the first national run First for annual office? run for office day. It is? Yeah, it is, yeah. actually. <laughs> By that organization, run for something. Yeah, you got yeah. it. Oh. Well, actually, it's a great idea. Yeah, get off your ass, and if you really care about what's going on, get out and do something about it. Run for school board, run for city council, yeah. run for state legislature. Yeah, exactly. Do- on your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. One more for Roy Moore. One more against Roy Moore. We heard from her yesterday, Beverly Young Nelson, speaking to reporters in New York uh, with a pretty sick and pretty stunning story of uh, outright sexual assault by Roy Moore against her when she was 16. He even left some traces behind signing her yearbook. Uh, That's just one of the stories we're following here today. On the Bill Press Show, good to have you with us this Tuesday, November 14. Hello, hello on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Hello on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and uh, out in the greater Chicago area. What do you say? WCPT with you and happy to be with you. 
from our studio, coming to you from our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Uh, and remember, we always want to hear from you what you think about the news of the day, particularly all the mess about Roy Moore. Uh, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Andrew DeZadario, congressional reporter for the Daily Beast. Um, and um, one uh, thing that may make uh, the Congress here even messier than it is, uh, is the possibility that Roy Moore, with all these charges against him, could still be elected the next senator from Alabama. He very well could. We're within that uh, 76-day window whereby you cannot have someone's name removed from the ballot. Absentee ballots have already gone out to eligible voters, so his name is on there, obviously. Um, there's not much Republicans can do, and they're very confused as to what they should do next um, because they're <laughs> – they don't want it to get to the point where Roy Moore gets elected and then they have to worry about voting to expel him, as Senator Cory Gardner has suggested doing. Uh, a lot of other senators wouldn't bite on that suggestion because they're trying to prevent him from even getting to that point in the first place. But, but they pre- don't have many options. All right, right. To prevent him from getting to prevent him from getting to that point. Where he wins the election. Their options are a write in. A write in. On behalf of of <laughs> So what I've heard is that they might be poll testing three or four write-in candidates so far down in Alabama. Um, I imagine it's really hard to poll random write-ins. Um, Senator Luther Strange has been suggested. He obviously lost to Roy Moore in the primary, but he's not biting so far, and he's saying, I don't want to leave this up to the people of Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very unlikely he, he doesn't want this happening. Unless unless there's some major movement to tell him, he knows you know, to push lose, him. So. He, right. Yeah, to push him to do this. Um Jeff Sessions has been floated I by know. a couple of he's people, my, interestingly. He's my candidate. If yeah. I were a Republican, I mean. I... Right, because it gets it gets him out of the attorney general spot where a lot of Trump people are not happy with him and the fact that he recused himself from the Russia investigation, put him back in the Senate where some say he belongs and, and things like that. Um, but their options are few and far between. And talking to them yesterday, they just really seem to realize that and and they seem confused about it. You know, one of the things that I think is definitely not going to happen is you see all these senators yesterday that started lining up and saying, Roy Moore's got to drop out of the race. Roy Moore's got to drop out of the race. He ain't no dropping way. out of that race. No way. He is no. not no. dropping out If we out know of that one race. thing from Roy Moore yeah. about his career in public life, he will not. is that he's not going to bow to anyone's pressure. Yeah. Right. And that's what people love about him. Right. 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 So, you know, he's going to get probably 200, 300,000 votes no matter what. Um, and even if you do have a write-in candidate on the Republican side right. that is backed by McConnell or the Senate, Senate Republicans at large, you, you bifurcate the Republican vote and you give the election to the Democrat. All right. So w- w- there's another, another uh, possibility, right, is that Doug Jones wins. Mm-hmm. I know. the sounds like the impossible, but that Alabama might actually elect a Democrat. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, Jeff Flake told me yesterday and kind of shocked me and a lot of people um, that if it's a choice between Roy Moore and a Democrat, it's a Democrat, no doubt. And he said, I will literally, if I were in Alabama, I will literally run to the polling place and vote for the Democrat. That's from a sitting Republican senator. Um, that should tell you how bad it is. Wow, that is uh, stunning. Yeah, but not not many other Republicans. I don't think any actually are, are uh, on his side when it comes to that. Um, but it's very possible that Doug Jones wins. They have a slim 52-48 majority right now. That could change to 51-49 like that because if 
whoever wins on December 12th is going to get um, sworn in almost immediately. Um, that comes as they're trying to pass the tax bill, maybe repeal and replace Obamacare again next year or try again to do it next year. So their two-vote margin would, could shrink to one vote. One vote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, of course, they don't control – I mean they haven't been able to deliver all 52 – Right, exactly. And another thing here is, you know, if McConnell wants a write-in so badly, and he, and he did stress, he said, a viable, successful write-in candidate, right? That that's what he would get around or right. get behind, right? Um, he's not going to do that if it's someone who's going to split up the Republican vote so that Moore get, keeps his core base of supporters and then other Republicans who might be on the fence go to him because then you give the, the election to Doug Jones. A theory I've heard is that Maybe McConnell would actually like for Doug Jones to win because then you deliver a gut punch to Bannon, mm. right? And Bannonism um, in the process, uh, and that might be better for him in the long term, even though in the short term you your majority becomes even slimmer. But of course, we know that Bannon and Roy Moore supporters will just that that will make them hate Mitch McConnell all the, all the more. Yeah. And saying that he was in collusion, I mean, all this BS, right? He was in collusion with the Washington Post. He colluded with the Democrats. And he'd rather have a Democrat than a Republic than a cons- real conservative. You're right. I, it does give them that. You, you can hear. I, you can hear their argument already. Yep. I want to. I'll play just a clip. So uh, all these, in fact, until yesterday, uh, Mitch McConnell, who was saying, "Oh, he should step down if proven true." You know, uh, Tim Scott from South Carolina believed he was a big man because he goes on the Sunday Sunday shows and says, "Roy Moore should step down." If these charges are proven true, it was all this if, 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 if. And then yesterday, um, Beverly Young Nelson steps before reporters uh, up in New York. Uh, Here's just a taste of her story. I tried to open my car door to leave, but he reached over and he locked it so I could not get out. Yeah. And then he told her, as we've we've heard, right, "You, you, you know who I am and you know who you are. He said, you're just a child. And he said, I am the district attorney of Etowa County. And if you tell anyone about this, no one will ever believe you. Right. So after that, how can these Republicans still say, well, he's got to have time to defend himself, if true. We have to hear his story. It's it's really harrowing. Five right? women coming yeah. forward. And you know how hard it is. Everybody says, why did these women wait 40 years? You know why they yeah. waited 40 years. When you see what's happening to these women today, you know why they waited 40 years, right? Yeah. Breitbart sending people down there to to defame them and investigate them, right? They've been called liars. They've been called – I mean, the whole – all the trash that, 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 that they That clip get. that we just played, I think, is indicative of so many different women's stories. Of, yeah. You're just a – Little girl, girl, little girl, and I'm a very powerful politician. And for that reason, you're not going to tell anyone. And you're going to be quiet because yeah. oh, no not. one was going to believe you. Right. And you're going to look like a fool if you yeah. come forward. And I think I think after that uh, press conference, which a lot of Republican senators seem to have have watched yeah. yesterday, um, a lot of them dropped the the caveat if true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they realize, okay, these women, according to them, are very believable. They have a lot of credibility. And there's no way to find out. There is literally no way to prove these allegations, right? All that can keep happening is more people could come forward. They more people could corroborate them. We saw the reports yesterday about how he was banned from the mall. The banned from in, the mall. Gadsden. I didn't even oh, know no, you could be banned from a mall. No, he was banned from a mall. I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. Because he used to <laughs> hang out there and pick up teenagers all the time, yeah. according to the people who, yeah. who were around there at the time. Oh, God. Um, so, again, there's no way to, to actually – physically prove that these encounters happened, right? 
but there is a way to corroborate them based on witnesses, people who knew them. So there were thirty people told who spoke to the Washington Post, yeah, um, who backed up mm-hmm. family members and friends who backed up the stories of yeah. the original of the original four. Uh, and, and by the way, you might check out at thehill.com my column today on this whole issue uh, with the headline, uh, The Democrat versus the Pedophile. Uh, that's the choice facing Republican voters in Alabama today. Mm-hmm. I give Jennifer Wallace, uh, no, is it not Jennifer? Uh, Nicole Wallace from MSNBC mm-hmm. credit for coming up with that line. Uh-huh. First time I heard it at any rate. That's, yeah. that's their choice. And she said she'd. As a Republican, she'd vote for the Democrat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jeff Flake is in that camp too. I mean, again, everybody assumes that Jeff Flake, just because he came out against Donald Trump and has spoken out against him, that he's some squishy moderate Republican, right? No, Jeff Flake is a very conservative Republican. Fiscal conservatism has been his thing for a long time. He was the guy who came up with the book of waste at first, right? These are bread and butter conservative issues. So for people to dismiss Flake's criticisms of Trump, of Roy Moore, of anyone really, as just saying, oh, he's a really moderate Republican or he's a squishy yeah. Republican. No, he's a very conservative Republican. Right. And we'll be uh, we'll be uh, sending out uh, my column uh, from Hill.com to uh, all of you who follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. By the way, uh, we, we mentioned, I mentioned this yesterday. Um, I think it was, I'm not sure which site I saw on this morning, but you know the idea of um, ejecting him, which Cory Gardner came out with yesterday. So um, apparently you cannot refuse to seat someone. If they're elected, they take their seat, right. but then you can eject them. Exactly. And uh, if that happens, Roy Moore would be the first senator ejected or rejected since 1862, 1862 yeah. 155 years. Yep, Civil War. That's and he nuts. would be the 17th, uh, or no, this become the 16th, I think. Or no, but the 17th, 16 have been uh, uh, ejected, mm-hmm. whatever the proper word is. Uh, and most of them because they were Confederate sympathizers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, this last senator who was ejected was Senator Jesse Bright, a Democrat from Indiana, from the North, but in 1862, he was a Confederate sympathizer, so he was thrown out of the mm-hmm. United States Senate. Yep. So at least Roy Moore would make history. Yeah, it, it's very As if he hasn't already made history. Well, what would happen before that is the Ethics Committee would have hearings, there would be witnesses, there would be people testifying on either side. Um, so it would take a lot to get to that point, I think. But again, Republicans don't want it to get to that point. Like they, they, This they, doesn't make right. them look good at all, obviously. Um, and I, I actually confirmed this yesterday with the Alabama Secretary of State in terms of whether you have a write-in or not and whether the winner has to get 50%. The winner does not have to get 50%. So Doug Jones could get 45% of the vote and then the rest of the Republican mm-hmm. vote could mm-hmm. be split up between mm-hmm. two or three candidates and he still wins, right? Because it's a winner-take-all. Whoever gets the most votes wins. And that's another scenario uh, whereby Doug Jones could win. He doesn't have and, to get 50%. Right. Right. And one of the reasons that some of the Republicans are not jumping on board the writing campaign is because of that. Exactly. That what it could really do is split the Republican vote mm-hmm. and really that, faci- that's, facilitate it, the election of Doug it's Jones. It's inevitably what would happen. You know, it, it's obvious that that would happen. So. Uh, yeah, maybe a Jeff Sessions could maybe. But still, I, I still think you've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand people in Alabama who are going to vote for Roy Moore no matter what. No and matter if what. You, if you take those votes away... From a Republican, a general Republican who might get more votes than Roy Moore, Doug Jones still wins. Yep. It's just the numbers, you know? So, 
Uh, Andrew Desiderio is with us from uh, The Daily Beast, thedailybeast.com. So uh, just what this country needs is another special counsel, uh, Andrew. And it looks like Jeff Sessions yesterday announcing that he's considering and he's asked the Department of Justice to do the preliminary work to appointing yet another special counsel, uh, a la uh, Robert Mueller, to investigate what? To investigate the Clintons, the Clinton Foundation, oh. the Uranium One deal. Lock her up. Other, Lock her up. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and it's coincidental because about an hour, 45 minutes here, Jeff Sessions appears before the House Judiciary Committee, and this came out last night. Yeah. Um, and this is something that a lot of Republicans on that committee have been pushing for. There That's been, where the idea came from, he says. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. And there have been a few Republicans who have tried to discredit the Mueller investigation. A few of them have introduced a resolution that would basically disband Robert Mueller's investigation as it stands right now, not getting much traction at all. Paul Ryan doesn't like it. It's not going anywhere. But the fact that now they're resorting to, okay, well, there's a special counsel for for Donald Trump, there needs to be one for Hillary Clinton because of all these alleged crimes that took place, right? Um, and it just seems like, to me, Republicans just need to have that that common enemy, that common punching bag of Hillary Clinton and of the Clintons that they don't have right now, right? Because the only punching bag right now is Donald Trump yeah. um, when it comes to these investigations and the media coverage and all that stuff. Well, so he, they just need someone as an enemy. It's, right? it's amazing yeah. how often he's brought her up in the year yeah. since he won the election. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's always the sort of People really go-to. don't care about her. Oh, no, no I really don't think anybody cares. No, yeah. he, he is still her punching bag, and he you know, at least a couple times a week he's out there. You know, yeah. Why aren't they investigating Hillary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and he said that to Jeff Sessions. Like He's yes, made that clear yes. to him. Uh, he's not happy that Jeff Sessions recused himself. There are all these questions about it, and I'll tell you what – the Republicans are going to be focusing on this during questioning at the hearing today. The Democrats are going to be focusing on what are pretty obviously Jeff Sessions' apparent misstatements when it comes to what he knew and when about communications with Russians in light of the Papadopoulos revelations, what we saw in the Manafort indictment, things like that. Um, so those are questions that he's going to have to answer for that I think will get a lot more attention today than what he might or might not do in terms of appointing a second special counsel. Well, one thing in the bigger picture that this uh, even raising the possibility that he would appoint a special counsel, which he can do, right, is um, even further evidence that as far as Donald Trump is concerned, the Department of Justice is not the independent legal arm of the government, which it has been under Republican and Democratic presidents. He's back to the Richard Nixon days of the Department of Justice is a tool that I use to go after my political enemies. And that's exactly why he's frustrated with Sessions for having recused himself, right? There's a yeah. question of even yeah. of whether Sessions could even appoint this next special counsel because if you're saying it deals with the Uranium One deal and uh, donations that may or may not have been made to the Clinton Foundation, that is Russia-related, right? So could Jeff Sessions even do that? Would Rod Rosenstein appoint yeah. a special counsel, right? Because Good he's point. apparently ensnared right. in, this, in this Uranium One thing too. Um, as he was one of the people who signed off on it, uh, but um, but yeah, I mean that's that's very much how the president views the Justice Department right now. Uh, you just said something. I just want to double. So Ro- Rosenstein was the guy at Justice 
who one of the, because there were he was what, one of the nine or ten agencies that had to approve the yeah, uranium one deal. He was one he of the was people guy on the panel who who signed off on it. Who's I, I think I believe his signature is on it. So in in terms of a conflict of interest and who would appoint the special counsel, Sessions probably not because he recused himself from Russia matters. Rosenstein almost certainly not. Who would be in charge of that? It just seems like there's so many there's so many conflicts of interest just before you even get into a potential investigation, right? And you don't really even need a, a special counsel for this. You could just call it a Justice Department investigation, right? They're trying to put the special counsel moniker on it so that it looks like, oh, Trump's being investigated with a special counsel. You know, someone else is now, too. And what was so Donald silly. Trump Jr. doing um, with all this communication with so WikiLeaks. It came out yesterday that he was actually corresponding with WikiLeaks via Twitter, direct messaging. Um, what it shows to me beyond anything By the way, is what, that- what they show, Always put it in writing. Yeah. Right? If you're doing something shady, make sure you put it in writing. Yeah, That's something then, that Donald Trump Jr. apparently has learned. And then make sure you tweet out the screenshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. after yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah, expose yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, right. It's very um, important. No, but what it shows to me is that WikiLeaks tried actively to weaponize him, to weaponize the Trump family, to weaponize the Trump campaign to achieve their goal, Right. Um, so in terms of whether it's legal or not, I think it just is another piece to this investigation and the case that investigators are building when it comes to these questions over collusion and different things. Right. It's not a smoking gun by any means, but it does show that, you know, it, it gives us an idea of what WikiLeaks was trying to do and whether uh, people tied to, to President Trump were willing to go along with that. And they very obviously tried to weaponize Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. And um is so he was talking to them and corresponding with them. Yeah, and as we pointed out earlier, he didn't respond to every email, but to some. This was the time. This was during the period when WikiLeaks was releasing the DNC emails that had been hacked by some Russian group, right? Yep. Then gave them to WikiLeaks in order to broadcast right. them, and then they published the first batch on the day of the Access Hollywood tape. Right. And this is also the time when, according to 17 U.S. intelligence agencies, Kremlin-connected uh, organizations were trying to influence our election, mm-hmm. undermine the election in many ways but with the Facebook ads and Twitter, all, yeah. all during that time mm-hmm. that this Donald Trump himself was in communication with WikiLeaks. Right. and and he, Is that collusion? Well, that's I, I, not for me to say. I, I think that's the case that investigators are building. Uh, in terms of okay, using these as, as evidence. But yeah. doesn't that indicate that he has to become at well, least a person of consideration under the Mueller investigation? Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely. But I don't think that... So he he didn't really... <laughs> he wasn't really communicating with WikiLeaks after they had determined that it was Russia who did this, right? So like this calendar year, essentially, he hadn't been answering messages. Yeah. But before that, he showed a willingness right. to cooperate because he was thinking, oh, you know, my my father's opponent is, is being... Uh, criticized by this, I better play along. You know, it'll help my father. Um, so whether you give him the benefit of the doubt or not, uh, you know, I, I just think that's the case that investigators are starting now or in the process of building. You mentioned Jeff Sessions uh, and his uh, testimony before the House Judiciary Committee today. That's the, the Judiciary, yep. right? Today. Yep. Um, today, um, hour and a half from now. And he's going to be asked about you know, he he's been very all over the place with how many meetings he had and how many discuss and what they talked about. Yeah. Da, 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 da. 
Um, I don't think he's been in front of Congress since George Papadopoulos surfaced as no, a person cooperating with Robert Mueller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Papadopoulos was a member of Jeff Sessions' committee, yep. right? Yeah, yeah, his his his. Don't foreign you think policy he's going to be asked team. about about that today? Absolutely, I think I think that's going to be a huge focus because in the and past, Papadopoulos is out there running around the world trying to set up meetings to get dirt on Hillary. Right, exactly, and and that's what was revealed and unsealed as part of the the Mueller indictment in yeah, his, in his right. guilty plea. Um, Sessions had previously said that he was not aware uh, of any uh, communications between campaign officials and Russians, but based on what we know now about what Papadopoulos told. Had told him, Jeff Sessions and what mm-hmm. Carter Page also he's another big mm-hmm. factor here mm-hmm. had told Jeff Sessions that doesn't ring true anymore right because Carter Page said that he told Jeff Sessions and that Sessions did not advise against him going to Moscow right and then with Papadopoulos he was trying to organize he was trying to organize a meeting between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin and Sessions actually said no that's a horrible idea right but that shows he knew about it right mm-hmm. so whether he perjured himself that's a whole other question because that's a legal term and you need to build a case uh that he was intending to lie i'm not sure that we're there right now or we'll ever get to that point Um, but certainly he has a lot of questions to answer and things to clear up in the meantime well from the beginning you know jeff sessions it's been one lie after another right with his contacts so first he said there were no meetings at all right and then they prove that he did talk to Kislyak, and then it's the, yeah. oh, well, I was wearing a different hat, you know. I put my Senate hat on I would, when I was talking to him, not my Trump campaign hat on, mm-hmm. as if he could be a different person uh, depending on the hour of the day, right? Yeah. And now and more and more information comes out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I think that that is what he's going to get hammered on. Uh, and, you know, the Republicans are... They're not going to let him go off easy either, especially the ones who, who are with Trump on this idea that Sessions should not have recused himself from Russia-related matters. Um, Sessions is going to get hit from the right, too. Um, so this is going to be uh, uh, close to a, a figurative beatdown as, as we can get in, in, in Congress today. He's, he he'd likely get more a tougher, tougher treatment in the Senate, wouldn't he? No? Um, I'm not sure about I mean, that. He's a former senator, but at the same time, I thought his last hearing, he was... It's yeah, up pretty bad. No, I, I expect Franken. I mean, yeah, I expect there to be that. I would love yeah. for that exchange to go on more than five minutes, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yes. But I yes. think in the House today, he's going to get uh, badgered a little bit more heavily than he did uh, in the past, especially given that you know we have this evidence from the Mueller investigation that shows that hey, maybe Jeff Sessions, you weren't as honest as you could have been to Congress in the past. So right. Um, what impact does any of this? So we're talking about. Roy Moore, we got the the, the Jeff Sessions stuff, another, all this political mess, a lot of it, of Donald Trump's own creation. What impact does that have on the possibility they're going to pass the tax cut bill? Well, I mean, there's all this happening right now at the same time. Uh, the House is trying to vote on this before they go away for Thanksgiving. Like today, right? Or um, tomorrow? Tomorrow, I guess. This week, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Senate has said that they're going to take it up the first week of December, right? That's before the special election in Alabama, which is on December 12th. Um, so you have a 52-48 majority. There are no Republican no votes yet. Um, like nobody who's come out definitively and said, I'm not voting for this because I don't like this aspect yeah. or that yeah. aspect. No ultimatums made yet like there were with health care. Um, but we're, we're getting close to the point where some senators are going to have to take a more uh, firm stance on this. And all these things that are happening right now could potentially upend it. I think the thing that has the greatest chance of upending it is 
the Alabama special election, and if Doug Jones wins, and you're all of a sudden at fifty-one forty-nine, uh, and it, you know that that could happen before the end of this year when they're aiming to go to conference, reconcile the two bills, and then vote on it again in the Senate. Right? That could be after Doug Jones would theoretically win, and you're at fifty-one forty-nine. And so. in the middle of this, um, we'll probably see the indictment of Michael Flynn. Uh, Don't you think it's going to happen soon? I mean, there's a lot of. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence in terms of the the Turkey stuff. He didn't register yeah. as a foreign agent, right? We just don't know how close they are to right. doing that, right? Because a lot of what we're learning about the Mueller investigation is not in real time. It's like weeks or months after the fact. Um, so I think that we're going to have to wait uh, and see when it comes to that. I think the, the Manafort indictment coming was was pretty obvious, and it was obvious that that would be the first one because the feds were on his case for years. Flynn's a different case uh, because a lot of this stuff w- with the the deal to extradite that Muslim cleric uh, from uh, from the U.S. And, and send him back to Turkey that all happened earlier this year when he was national security advisor. That stuff is going to take a while more to investigate, whereas the Manafort stuff took literally years. Yeah, uh, so. Got to run fast to keep up with it, and you do, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for Thanks. coming in. All right, Andrew Desiderio uh, with the Daily Beast at DailyBeast.com. Uh, and coming up ne- next from HuffPost, uh, Jen Bendry, and from EPA, uh, Jennifer McPartland. Environmental Defense Fund. Environment- Environmental I'm sorry, not EPA. What am I saying? No, just the opposite, the Environmental Defense Fund. <laughs> coming up next. Stay tuned. Quick break. We'll be right back. They want to release more tanks, saying inappropriate things. We'll continue to talk about Bill and Hillary Clinton doing inappropriate things. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And on a Tuesday, November 14, here we go, wrapping up The Bill Press Show for this special Tuesday edition. Great to have you with us today as we boom out to you on YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Uh, Also on Free Speech TV, we're looking at you coast to coast. And uh, in Chicago on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. Uh, Good to have you with us. And uh, we have a historic first here with the uh, Bill Press Show uh, today. Uh, We welcome uh, (laughs) two guests, uh, two good friends. Uh, One you know uh, because she's here often. Uh, Jen Bendry from HuffPost. Hello, Jen. Hi, nice Bill. to see you. You too. And joining Jen today from the Environmental Defense Fund, a great environmental organization uh, I've been working with and known a long time, uh, Jennifer McPartland. Uh, do you go by Jen also? or just... You can call me Jen on the show. Jen, is that right? That. All right. Yeah. Good to see you too. Uh, and the uh, big news is that Jen and Jen are not just good friends. They are wife and wife. <laughs> That's how you say it, right? Wife and wife. Yeah, yeah. They're married. Ball it's, and chain, wife and wife. Ball and chain, here they are. You're the first married couple that's we've ever it. had no on the show. No, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Trying to figure that out. I've been trying to think all day if we've ever had another married couple. I don't think we have. No. How is that possible? Well, because normally people just come in like one person, either the right, whatever. Right. Don't you guys know that lesbians are codependent? So <laughs> we're not that codependent. We decided that we met a couple this weekend that is actually maybe more codependent than we are, and we felt better. We felt better about ourselves. Oh, uh, well, well, welcome. <laughs> welcome to both of you. And um, 
you uh, just a little quick a little mention uh, some of you may wonder um, if those of you watching on free speech TV or on YouTube may wonder why I'm looking so good today it's because I'm wearing <laughs> this scarf which is this good scarf whether it's getting cold you, you need a good scarf to stay warm and this is of course done by my wife Carol press handwoven rayon chenille scarf uh, you can be lucky enough to wear one of these yourself or to get one uh, during the holiday season for, 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 for someone you love. Go to our website at BillPressShow.com and follow the link to the Carol Press Scarves, and you're in business. She'll take care of you. Lots of different designs and colors to choose from. BillPressShow.com, Carol Press Scarves link. How about it? Look it's really good? nice. Huh? Really nice. All Fancy. Right. So what's up, Jennifer, uh, this week with, uh, with the Congress? Are they doing anything other than ducking Roy Moore? <laughs> Uh, I think they're trying to do a tax bill, aren't they? <laughs> remember the whole tax reform thing? Oh, yeah, remember that. That's, that's happening. They're yeah. trying to get that some kind of agreement on that. In the House? Yeah. I think, I thought, I could be wrong, but I thought they were going to try to pass, one chamber was going to try to pass a bill this week. Um, and then they're gone. I'm pretty sure the House and Senate are both gone next week because it's Thanksgiving next Thursday. Whenever there's a holiday, when the rest of us have like one or two days off, they take the whole week off. So... They'll have the whole week off probably next week. Oh, yeah. And they wanted to get this done, Donald Trump said. He wanted it done before Thanksgiving. Yes. So that leaves this week to do it. And then they're out of here. Like, as soon as the last vote is cast, they're gone. Yeah. And how willing and how eager are Republicans on the Hill to talk about Roy Moore? Well, if you've noticed, there's been a trend now where at first nobody would say anything. And then they say if, if and then there was a true. series of statements. If this is true, he must go. And then something changed. And I think it was Mitch McConnell saying, "I believe the women." And after that, it looks like now people are saying he's got to go. And something shifted. And so now they're all saying, um, "You know, we believe the women. This is unacceptable." Um, not all yet. Not but, all, but, but uh, yeah, the vast majority. More more, but right. including not just Mitch McConnell, but Cory Book, um, Cory Gardner. Who is the head of the NRSC, which is like the you know the fundraising arm for the Senate Republicans? So if that guy is saying that Roy Moore has to go, then that's big because that's now it's we're talking about the the party's official um, fundraising arm and you know support by the party. If he's out, then that's that's huge. It's very rare that we give Mitch McConnell any credit on this show, but his his statement yesterday was how every. Uh, politicians should have been responding to this from the get-go. I believe the women. He should stop. I believe the women, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not like if these allegations are true, they would finally, be deeply finally, troubling. Finally you know there, why right? he's saying that. Oh, no, 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 no I, I get it. Like I, I know that there's a whole ref with conscience. him and Bannon and the, 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 yeah. the Roy Moore fight yeah. that's coming if he does get elected. Roy Moore would be a much bigger headache for him than oh, the yeah. Democrat winning. Oh, yeah. I just think I look. I, I, I know why it happened, but like it is the right way to address this. We saw so many politicians have did a bad job with it this week. He is actually saying, "I'd rather have Doug Jones than Roy Moore," isn't he? Uh, I mean, he didn't actually no, say I'm, that, but, but, yeah. but you know that he he knows that his life will be a lot easier if a Democrat wins. It's not ideal. He just lost a seat, but if Doug Jones wins, how long he has a seat for? Like three years, then and then a Republican will likely win the seat back. Right. So, Jen, your work at the Environmental Defense Fund, I mean, while all this is going on and people complain about, not complain, but they point out that, uh, okay, Donald Trump and the Republicans, they've not been able to pass one major piece of legislation, so they haven't gotten anything done, da, 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 da. But, like, 
the way I see it, anyway, I just want to ask if you agree. Under the radar, through the EPA, they're doing a lot of damage to environmental programs. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, that's that's spot on. Um, I work in the health program at Environmental Defense Fund, so most of the work that I focus on has to do with chemicals regulation. Um, and just before the Obama administration left, they passed this major piece of legislation, hadn't been updated in 40 years. It was called the Toxic Substances Control Act, or TSCA. Um, it basically governs the chemi- like chemicals uh, throughout the United States. So FDA has some jurisdiction here, but... We're talking release of chemicals like th- from, from... No, it's more from, like chemicals in commerce. So the vast majority of the... I guess the materials and um, in this room would be covered under Tosca. So if it's a food, drug, or cosmetic, that's FDA jurisdiction. Yeah. But if it's pretty much anything else, it's Tosca, with the exception of pesticides, which is a different statute. But the idea is um, it's something that the advocacy groups wanted, it's something that the public wanted, and it's also something that the chemical industry wanted. And we're talking about public health. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. This is, about pub- this is about public health. So just to give you a sense, there are some 80,000 chemicals that's on EPA's chemical inventory, right? And to give you a a sense of just how broken the law was, EPA only managed to ever require testing of about 300 of those (laughs) and only ever regulated five. So this created a tremendous amount of dissatisfaction um, by the public, and that sort of led to um, a lack of confidence in the chemicals industry and states stepping up to, to do the right thing and you even have retailers like Walmart and Target. I don't know if you know this, but they've been becoming more aggressive about um, the sort of the chemicals that are in the products that they sell. And so, as you can imagine, the chemical industry wasn't really too pleased about all of these activities that are much harder for them to control. And mm-hmm. they decided, you know, after 40 years, maybe it would be helpful to have an effective environmental protection agency, kind of. So the, even the industry saw this in their self-interest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They needed to restore confidence And what's the in Trump administration done about it? So the, the, the statute itself that was passed, I mean, I think um, all parties agreed at the time that it was a major step forward. It was a huge improvement upon the status quo. Finally, the agency was going to have authorities it needed to start protecting public health. But then this new administration came in and, you know, Right from the outset, they started kind of screwing up the implementation of the law. Um, and so as a result, we have a couple of lawsuits going on now um, at the suing the agency for um, missteps that they've made early on in, in uh, implementing this law. And then, I mean, there's Tosca, right, which is something that I live and breathe. But then there's just the general kind of assault on science. And I don't know if you had read anything about the directive that Scott Pruitt, um, Administrator Pruitt, issued a few weeks back. On, yeah, no, this was on the. This was a new. No, this is a new directive around about their science advisory panels. Oh, so it it's meaning no more scientists on the science (laughs) science advisory panels. I mean, that's sort of basically it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, guys, um, (laughs) no, I mean the the thing is for the for the it's a it's a a first ever and it's kind it's just totally ludicrous. But basically, if you're a scientist that receives EPA funding, let's say that you got a competitive grant to do research in some certain area, mm-hmm. you're prohibited from serving on an advisory panel, a science advisory panel. You were awarded that funding, that grant to do research precisely because of your expertise. Yeah, and but- now that's going to be considered by this administrator as a conflict of interest. Meantime, 
In the meantime, if you're somebody that works for a company that has oh. a vested has a vested financial interest in a decision the agency makes, you're not conflicted. <laughs> so if you, it's 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 preposterous. Um, it is the fox in charge of the hen house. Absolutely. I mean, it was Scott Pruitt there. What we can expect, and um, we're going to see Jen another hearing on another nominee yet with this Alex Azar, who was appointed yesterday from HHS, formerly head of a big pharmaceutical company. It's sort of I see the parallel. Mm. You know, the enemy of the agency is the people that, in almost so many cases, education certainly at EPA. Uh, at HHS originally with Tom Price. He appoints the enemies of those departments to run those departments. That's what he did at EPA, and that's what he looks like he's doing with HHS again. He's been doing it. I mean, it's happening across the board. I wrote a story last week about um, a top uh, lobbyist for a Homeland Security firm um, basically being tapped to help usher through um, uh, Donald Trump's uh, nominee to be the DHS secretary. Usually the White House does not have a lobbyist who would benefit um, from the confirmation of a certain nominee come in and help usher through that nominee. But that is now happening um, with the Homeland Security Secretary nominee. So it's there's just cases in, in all different areas of government right now where people who stand to directly benefit from the, the confirmation of a certain nominee playing a role in getting that nominee through when it's usually just an internal process at the White House or at the DHS, you know, at DHS to get nominees confirmed. So there's a lot of, it's very swampy. It's yeah. swampy McSwamperson basically in the White House right now. It's And this is, you know, if you remember anything, you know, about his talk about this on the campaign trail, Trump oh, yeah. Trump no. railed against the swamp and how he was going to drain the swamp and made this a big thing. And this is, I mean, this is transparently swamp. You yeah, know? it is. Swampier than ever with his appointments. And, and speaking you, of swamp, I have to add, yesterday yeah. the the news came out that uh, uh, one of Trump's judicial yes. nominees uh, forgot, forgot to tell the Senate that he's married <laughs> to the chief of staff to the White House counsel. Who's the guy who's in charge of judicial nominations? So, I mean, he didn't put it on his disclosure form. That's a pretty key detail there. And this is the same nominee who already was uh, rated not qualified to be a judge by the ABA and who's never tried a case in court. This is a guy who's now on track to become a lifetime federal judge. So there's there's all kinds of things happening right now where the process of moving people through to powerful positions um, is just it reeks of swampiness or of conflicts of interest and it's just proceeding along as if you know unless the media is calling this out it's just proceeding along like it's fine well oh can i jump one yes. there's one point so there, there are also there's there, there are no also, rules on this there's show. no rules great <laughs> are you yeah hopefully uh i'll be on again but there's there's also they're also finding ways i mean you know i'm going to take this as my one shot on the bill press show um <laughs> But there are also there are also workarounds, right? So the guy who's nominated to run the chemicals program um, over at EPA, his name is Michael Dorson. He's basically a scientist for hire by the industry, which is fine if that's the way he wants to make his living. But that doesn't give him a right to be in that position of protecting Americans' health from harmful exposures. Um, he just passed out of EPW on a party line vote the end of last month. But guess. And whether or not he'll be confirmed by the entire Senate is an open question. Um, but it doesn't matter. It, it does matter. But in some ways, I mean, the fact is he's already over at the agency under the under a position of special assistant or special mm -hmm. advisor to the administrator. So he's already there. So they find workarounds 
when they want to find the workarounds. And so in the meantime, his nomination process is on one trajectory, but he's still over there at the And what's EPA. his background? Um, he's a toxicologist. He had been in the agency in the late 80s, early 90s. And so he left, set up his own shop, um, and then gets a lot of, he gets a fair amount of business or his own shop. He gets a from, fair amount of business from the industry. And he has- That a, he's now- um, Oh, yeah, that he now is in the position of- Right, of, of being involved in their regulation. And and the fact of the matter is, if you look at his track records of the chemicals he's reviewed, he often comes up with values that are 10, sometimes thousands of times less protective than what the Environmental Protection Agency had decided was protective or a, lower than what a, a state had protected. So he has this, he has this track record of yep. doing some yeah. magical science and then coming up with a value that isn't health protective at all. The other thing is, too, I mean, these these regulations, once they're in place, right, uh, or these, if, if, if the new rules or whatever, they're hard to turn around, they aren't are they? Difficult. I mean, it takes years they to reverse difficult. them. And meanwhile, particularly if we're talking about chemicals that are dangerous to, children, to kids, human lives, mm-hmm. right, a lot of damage is done, again. Yeah, no, absolutely, is, I mean... Is this is this guy the, the the one you wrote about? Is he still on track? I mean, the fact that he has this conflict and he refused to reveal it does that knock him off the list? Or you're talking about Brett Talley, the yeah. judicial nominee, yeah. who forgot oh, to man. tell the right. Senate that oh, his Brett wife Talley, is married. Yes. He's married to the chief of staff to the White House Counsel. Oh, um, by the way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, no, no, no. But he's nominated to an Alabama district court seat. Yeah. So we know. Judges in Alabama, that's a different category altogether, right? <laughs> yeah. There are different rules that apply to judges in Alabama. <clears throat> now, he looks he looks like he's on track still. I have yet to see any Republicans in the Senate say that this revelation about Brett Talley's, you know, conflict of interest changes my opinion on confirming him. So as far as I can tell, I mean, I've been writing about him just to highlight how absurd it is that this guy is on track to become a judge. Um, and don't forget, these are lifetime, lifetime judges. Yeah, and this guy is 36 years old. So that's wow. that's at least 30, 40, maybe 50 years that he would be sitting on the federal bench. And he's also, he has no experience. He's never he's a tried blogger. a case in court. He's not, he's not just a blogger. He writes horror stories. And there's there's photos of him available online of him standing in a cemetery with a fire burning in the background. <laughs> like it's his it's a paranormal promo investigator. photo. A, param- a paranormal investigator. That's no. what came out this morning. No. <laughs> yeah. Is he really? Yeah. I, Somebody I, has I, to do the job. Yeah, I, I, I want to go on record, right? I mean, this might hurt my pre- my chances for office one day. I don't think anybody who's a paranormal investigator should be a judge. Don't we all know the only real paranormal investigator is Bill Murray? That's right. Come on, <laughs> that's right. Facts. That's right. <laughs> but you know, the other the other thing that I got out of your story is um, Trump is always complaining, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders they're always complaining about the Democrats who the obstructionist Democrats who are blocking all of our judicial nominees. As a matter of fact, they've been pretty successful at putting, push, forcing through judicial nominees, haven't they? Of course. I mean, they control the Senate. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the, role, the rules for um, that help the minority to slow down nominees have been rolled back a bit. So, I mean, if you control the Senate, the minority can only do so much to, to slow down the process. But in the end, they're... This last sure week, he... Mitch McConnell confirmed four circuit court nominees in one week, which is unheard of. I mean, usually maybe you'll get one vote in one week on a judge 
But the but one good thing is there's a lot of huge. diversity among their uh, nominees, right? I mean, a lot of women, you, <laughs> a lot of uh, people. I mean, of if color. you consider a lot of straight white men diverse, then yeah, it's different hugely astrological diverse. signs. Yeah, different birthdays. There's a Pisces representing the entire calendar. Yeah, that's the diversity you get. They're all white men, but. They're not all born in the same month. Yeah, they don't have the same birthday. That's what song. you want from us. Oh, exactly. Um, what did you think about the climate change meeting this, this week, Jen? Oh, well, it that's was a little interesting, bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Two different delegations from the United States. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, that's a little bit outside of my purview, but um, I mean, that's, you know, that's a huge area of interest for Environmental Defense Fund, has been for decades, as you can imagine. And um, the, the, the decisions around the uh, Paris Agreement, um, the, tri- the the rolling back of the Clean Power Plan, all of these things, they're, they're devastating. And I mean, sometimes I feel kind of overwhelmed just in my just in my wheelhouse. The things mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about are how are the things that we're exposed to as from from pregnancy to death it, are affecting our health. I mean, there's so much more going around just within my organization on things like climate change, thinks about um, protecting habitats, uh, uh, work to, you know, bring back fisheries that have gone, you know, to the brink of extinction. Um, And I don't even, I mean, it's kind of overwhelming just to sort of think about what's going on within the cocoon of EDF. And then, of course, I come home to Jennifer, and she has all sorts of happy news to share with me um, about everything else that's been going on um, in the administration. But um, it's kind of all overwhelming. Jennifer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I Bill that. called I you, Bill anything, called you but... Jennifer. Maybe I'm in serious mode. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. No, I mean, and it's an area that, that's very important to me. I got started in, envir- in environmental activism, environmental politics. And, um, you know, they're systematically rolling back by regulations or executive actions, not so much, again, through legislation. But this is one area with Ryan Zinke oh, yeah. at They're interior. not getting anything done and legislatively. Budget. Right. And legislatively, budget. right? And budget. and budget, yeah, and budget. Good, good point. There are um, two ways, and that's 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 incredibly problematic. And I feel like it's it's right. it's almost like if I'm if I'm being ah, I mean, it's a little not a consp- it's not, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I mean, I think the idea is like you you constrain the budget of the EPA so much that it's hard for them to do their job effectively, and so it's just but fewer people, fewer resources. Thirty percent, right? But then, the and then, cut. and then they're going to point at the agency when they're saying, like, "Look, they're not, they're not being affected, or they're not getting things done." And, and then it's sort of like we need to cut their budget, you know. And it's just this negative feedback loop, which is just, you know, like a a, a grand plan to undermine the the agency. And I don't. Well, I think one thing that gets lost on people is I think you know, environmental right. protection agency people think of that word environmental, and that is what they are doing. They are protecting the environment. But so much of what they do is really protecting the public health. And I think that that's something that Gina McCarthy talked about a lot, which is we're not just an environmental organization. We're a public health protection organization. We're here to make sure people aren't getting asthma attacks because air pollution is too high. Or we're, not, we're here to make sure that you're not being exposed to some harmful chemical that can you know, later result in the development of cancer. That's what we're here to do. And, um, you know, I... I, I must shame. admit, I'm nervous since I heard you say there are 80,000 chemicals that we're exposed to. <laughs> well, and I, and we're looking, not all necessarily exposed I, to them. But I'm so. looking around the studio and I'm thinking, oh, God. What kind You've of only a- been exposed to like 30,000 today. So. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't worry about oh. it. You'll yeah, yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Let's see. Let's do an inspection of this room. No, you probably no, won't no, please. Do that. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But uh, please. I see a couple of things. <clears throat> In oh. this room? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, it's been nice knowing you. Uh, guys. Great, um, great. Yeah, I didn't have enough anxiety <laughs> in my life. That's wonderful. Thinking right. and looking at the plasticizers that I see around and <laughs> what that mm. might be doing. Are you pregnant, Bill? I'm a little bit more right. worried. Then. So, um, the this whole Trump and Congress and Republicans in Congress after what happened in Virginia last Tuesday, is there any? Do you, do you detect any increased level of nervousness about going into 2018 with this guy as the millstone around their neck? Or are they still sticking with him? They're still sticking with him. I mean, it, there are, I mean, of course there are some, some Republicans in the House have been announcing that they're retiring. And That's these are long time, these yeah. are long time Republicans who are, in, you know, chairman or, you know, senior level members. So that's happening. Um, but, for the moment, it's it's November 2017. Republicans control the White House, the House, and the Senate for at least another year. So mm -hmm. that this is it. This is their window. They are, as far as I can tell, they are focused. They are a thousand percent focused on tax reform, which was literally the response that the Paul Ryan had the day after the the Democratic sweep last week. His response to that was, "We really need to get tax reform done because this is the window." So I think well, they're more focused on getting something done. So that they can run on that in 2018 because they haven't gotten anything done this year. Mm -hmm. But of course, they're going to wait for tax reform until after uh, what happened in uh, La Las Vegas um, and what happened uh, in Texas that they're going to pass some strict gun safety legislation too, right? Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath on that. God. I mean, if, if they're not going to do anything sick, after something sick. like Newtown, yeah, then it is very yeah. hard to see them doing anything yeah. ambitious. They're not. The two gens making history today on the Bill Press Show. Thank you, guys. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll come back again. You don't have to make this your own visit. <laughs> We'd love to have you back. <laughs> Both of you. Thanks so much. Jen and Jen. And the rest of the day is yours, folks. This Enjoy it. This is the Bill Press Show.